0: Welcome to the Christian Ministries Church Podcast. My name is Josh Barnett. I'm one of the pastors on staff here. We're praying that this message equips and empowers you to live in the kingdom of God. I'm excited to be up here in front of you tonight. This Names of God series, coupled with our faith theme for the year, has just been, it's been gold. It's been amazing. So we are going to continue in the series tonight and I'm very honored I get to speak tonight on Jehovah Rofi, the God who heals. Y'all go ahead and turn to Exodus chapter 14, but we're gonna hold our place there. Exodus chapter 14. Uh, you may have heard uh, Jehovah Rofi, Jehovah Rapha, Jehovah Rofeki. It's all the same, just different variations. Uh, but the name Rofi means to heal and to make whole and to restore. We see the word Rofi all throughout Scripture. In Psalms 103, verse 2 through 5, it says, Bless the Lord, my soul, and do not forget any of his benefits, who pardons all your guilt, who heals, Rofi, all your diseases who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with favor and compassion, who satisfies your years with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagle. Psalms 147, verse three. He heals Rophi, the brokenhearted, and binds up their wounds. Jeremiah 17, 14. Heal me, Lord, and I will be healed. Rophi. Isaiah 53, five. But he was pierced for our offenses, he was crushed for our wrongdoings. The punishment for our well-being was laid upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. Rofi. So throughout Scripture, we and specifically in the Old Testament right now, we we hear and see the word Rofi. And we can see that it doesn't just mean physical healing, but also soul healing within our soul, right? So this brings us to Exodus 14. Uh, we, see, we first see the word rophi in Exodus chapter 15, but we're going to look at 14 real quick just to get a well-rounded view of what's going on. So the Egyptians have just left Egypt, and Moses has led them to the shore of the Red Sea. So we're going to start in verse 12. It says, uh, I'm reading out of the New American Standard version, so if it's a little bit different, that's why." Is not this what we said to you in Egypt? Leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians. For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. Verse 13, and Moses said to the people, fear not, stand firm, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians, whom you see today, you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You have only to be silent. So just a reminder. These are the same people who for hundreds of years had cried out to God for their salvation, that they would maybe one day be free. So here they are at the first sign of trouble and they get mad at Moses for leading them out of slavery and they tell him it would have been better to remain slaves in Egypt than to die as free people in the wilderness. That's a, that's a really heavy thing to admit, that you would rather be bound because it feels more secure than to live in the wilderness as free people. So here's the deal though. I don't, I don't really judge them for this because there's a lot that's happened up until this moment in time. They've seen so many signs and wonders through the 10 plagues of Egypt and now they find themselves totally unemployed, right? In the best way. They've not seen God move in hundreds of years and, and all of a sudden, they see all these signs and wonders Seemingly out of nowhere. So here's why I wanted to quickly go through Exodus 14. The Israelites have seen signs and wonders. They're on the cusp of being free, and the only thing standing in the way of their freedom is the sea, right? But they still have a slave mentality, and because of that, they're unable to see the provision that comes from the creator of that scene, right? So it's easy to to read this and think, how could you not believe? How could you not think that he would do something supernatural after all that you've seen? But here's what God did not do. He did not throw up his hands in the air and say, well, forget you. You asked me for this, you asked to be free, you've been crying out to me, and now, Now you're angry. But that's not what he did. What he does is he continues to show them signs and wonders, and he splits the sea. And as he continues showing them who he is, they continue moving out of the mentality of the captive to the mentality of the free, right? So let's turn to Exodus 15 now. This chapter... Starts off with Moses and the Israelites singing praises to God for what he just delivered them from. So we're gonna look at verse 22. It says, Then Moses, or yeah, then Moses made Israel set out from the Red Sea, and they went into the wilderness of Shur. They went three days in the wilderness and found no water. When they came to Marah, they could not drink the water of Marah because it was bitter. And the people grumbled against Moses saying, what shall we drink? And he cried to the Lord and the Lord showed him a log or a tree and he threw it in the water and the water became sweet. And there the Lord made for them a statute and a rule. And there he tested them saying, if you will diligently listen to the voice of the Lord your God and do that which is right in his eyes and give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you that I put on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord your healer, or Jehovah Rophi. So this is not the first reference we have of God healing somebody. God had already showed Moses when he came to him through the burning bush that he could heal when he told Moses to put his hand in his cloak and take it back out and it was diseased and leprous. Then he told him, put it back in and take it back out and it was completely healed. So this is not the first time we see God healing somebody, but it is the first time he calls himself healer. So let's again put ourselves in this position. To have believed for generations that maybe one day God would deliver you. To have prayed for that for 400 years, to see that day, to journey to the Red Sea, to feel hopeless, until God supernaturally leads you through the sea. They walked on the seabed. What wonders they witnessed. I mean, unbelievable. All of the things that they saw God do They saw him swallow up their enemies. In a moment, they were saved. But then came the really hard part of day in and day out being led by God, right? Where are we going? What are we supposed to be doing? Are we going to survive the journey? They had none of these questions answered. All they had was a cloud by day and fire by night. And they had to obey. So now, if we put ourselves in that position, God's led you in the wilderness, it's been three days, and your kids, your parents, your friends, and yourself, no one has had water for three days, that's pretty scary. That's pretty terrifying. So God finally leads them to a place where there's water, but it's totally undrinkable. What? You know what I mean? We get here, there's water, and it's, we can't drink it. So they begin to grumble And to complain again to Moses. So Moses cries out to the Lord, and God shows him a tree. So Moses picks up the tree and he throws it into the water. And what happens? The bitter water not only became drinkable, but what did he do? He made it sweet. And that's a little bit different than just being able to drink it. He made it sweet. Sweet is extra. It is. What do we, what do we, you know, what do we hear growing up? Eat, eat your dinner first, then you can have something sweet, right? Why? Because the dinner is what will nourish you, but the sweet part after is just extra. And that's what God did for them. Not only did he make it drinkable, he went above and beyond to make it sweet. Not only did he heal their bodies supernaturally, but what he showed them was he's not just trying to get them by so they can survive, but they can actually enjoy what they're doing. You can actually enjoy it. I'm not bringing you out and saving your life just so you can keep getting by. I'm gonna make this water sweet because I want you to enjoy it. But in order For that to have happened, they had to first be very thirsty, right? They had to be thirsty. If their journey was easy, they would have never had the opportunity to see him as their healer. But their bodies were renewed through only means that he could provide. So although their physical healing was of great importance to him, obviously, what he was doing was he's taking them through a journey and through a process of renewing their mind so that they could see him rightly. So like we talked about before, the Israelites were coming out of captivity, and although their physical circumstances had changed, their minds had to catch up, which is why... It was their go-to response to complain instead of believe. Their minds had not yet gotten there yet. So after he heals their bodies, he begins to speak to their soul. He makes their bitter waters sweet. Then he lays down some ground rules in verse 26. It says, if you will diligently listen to the voice of the Lord your God, and do that which is right in his eyes, and give ear to his commandments, and keep all his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you that I have put on the Egyptians. So God is laying out some guidelines for the Israelites as a way of maintaining a lifestyle of being healed, because you can't, be healed, and then go back to the same lifestyle and think we can maintain the supernatural provision that God just provided, right? Here's how you maintain a lifestyle of being healed. In Exodus, uh, don't you don't have to turn there, but in Exodus 4, verse 22, God says to Moses, tell Pharaoh, Israel is my firstborn son, so let my son go that he may Serve me. So if we look at it from that perspective, we see that this is a loving father who's laying out some very important guidelines so that his children, his child, because it's the nation, so he speaks to the nation. New Testament, he speaks to us as individuals, right? So that the nation of Israel, his child, could maintain a lifestyle of being healed. They had masters before who gave them rules and statutes to oppress them. To keep them contained. Who would bring pain in order to keep them subdued. But God is showing them this one simple fact. You have a new master now and he calls himself healer. These statutes weren't oppressive. They were the way to freedom. And with every encounter they had with desperation, it was an opportunity for God to provide for them supernaturally. And through every supernatural provision, he was revealing to them that they get to serve a master who does not bring pain, but who heals. and who sets free. And we always have a way that we think God should do things. I mean, he gives us the free will and a mind to think. We always there's never ending. We always think there's there's a way that God should do it, should provide, should heal. Because we experience life. We experience pain we're always in need of healing and there's just not really ever a time where god's not moving us out of something old into something new and we're needing to be healed all the time if you're jehovah Rofi and i'm diligently seeking you how am i still sick how am i still depressed how am i still suffering We cannot allow our experiences to dictate how we interpret God's word. We have to let God's word interpret our experiences. And if he calls himself Jehovah Rofi, then that's who he is. And our experiences cannot tell us otherwise. We have to believe what he says and who he says he is. Just like the Israelites were led by God into the wilderness, not knowing where they were going, they experienced much supernatural provision that God used to shape their view of their new master. Further, Moving them out of a mindset of captivity to the mindset of the free. Three days without water is three days too long. It's three days too long for the disciples. Three days without Jesus, their savior, while he was seemingly in the tomb, was three days too long. What they were unaware of was that their healing had come, it had already come. They just needed time to gain the right perspective. And what's so beautiful about this story in Exodus 15 is that God is not done healing them and leading them. They drink the sweet water, their bodies are restored, they are gaining a better understanding of who this God is that saved them, and then God does something incredible in Exodus 15 verse 27. It says, then they came to Elam, where there were 12 springs of water and 70 date palms, and they camped there beside the waters. 12 springs of water and 70 date palms and they camped there beside the waters. When we think he's done, he's just not the provision and the goodness of God that we see in this story. Not only did he just provide them water and make it sweet, he continues to lead them to more more water, more shade and dates are sweet. The goodness of God that we see, he's continuing to reveal himself to the Israelites who weren't quite sure of him yet because of their past experiences. So he's renewing their mind, but they had to be led even though they did not know, if for the next three days, they w- would they have water? Would the- are they storing it up? Are we allowed to do that? They didn't know that, but because he had already shown his provision to them once, they were able to be led by him. Again, to more. And the benefit that we have is we get to view this through the perspective of the atonement of Jesus, right? John 4, verse 14, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty, but the water that I will give him will become in him a fountain of water bringing up to eternal life. We've been talking about types and shadows through this whole series of how the names of God and we've been studying is, are so many types and shadows to the atonement of Jesus. He throws a log in to the water, a tree, and it becomes totally purified and sweet, which is a type and shadow of Jesus who is the living water, And we will never be thirsty again. Jesus was Jehovah Rophi incarnate who healed the leprous, who made blind eyes see, who raised the dead, who cast demons out of people who were being tormented. He freed those who were trapped by a religious system that wanted to keep them bound. Not only that, he healed body, Mind and spirit. Mind being our, I'm sorry, soul, which is our mind, will, and emotions. Body, soul, and spirit. And what's really neat about that is that Jesus himself experienced physical, mental, and spiritual pain. He was horrifically tortured before being nailed to the cross. He dealt with grief at the loss of someone that he loved. He was betrayed by his friend, the disciple Judas. He was crucified by the religious leaders who took on the sin of the world on the cross. Hebrews 4.15 says, We do not serve a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses. He truly is the only one who can understand. Jesus is the only one who truly knows. And not only that, but Romans 8.34 says, Jesus is at the right hand of the Father interceding for us which reminds me of a neat story in Luke 22, where Jesus is telling Simon that the devil had come and asked to sift you, and that word you is actually plural. He's talking about the devil has asked to sift all of the disciples, but what Jesus said is he turns to Simon and he says, but I have prayed for you, singular." that your faith would not fail. And when you have turned back or repented, go strengthen your brothers. What was Jesus doing here to Peter? He was restoring him back to himself. And what does "rofi" mean? to heal, to make whole, and to restore. Jesus is interceding for you too that your faith in the God who heals would not fail because the devil doesn't quit. Uh, The sermon that David Hilton came and um, he taught a few Sundays ago was just incredible. The devil doesn't quit. He doesn't. The name Satan actually means accuser. He is the accuser. And in Revelation twelve ten, it says, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come for the accuser of our brothers and sisters has been thrown down, the one who accuses them before our God day and night. He wants to sift you. He goes into the presence of God and accuses the saints, but it says that he has been thrown down. Crystals and reikis are cheap imitations of Jehovah Rophi, and they will not heal you. Good vibes and energy are cheap imitations, and they will not heal you. It will not provide what you're really searching for. There are cheap versions of the real thing everywhere. When I was in high school, um, I was fortunate enough to be able to go to Peru and on on a missions trip to Lima, and it was amazing. And uh, our first day there, I'm, I'm 16, super excited. Our first day there, uh, we, we're all in a big bus and we drive up and we're on the sidewalk and our, our teacher and our, uh, our, the leaders kinda get out and we're, we're having to exchange currency, right? And uh, so we get our coins and we get our money and we exchange all of that. Well, as we're walking, there's a group of us that are together and we're walking and we see a man who is literally dragging himself on the sidewalk. He was homeless, and he seemed hurt. (laughs) His foot was literally mangled. I mean, it it was horrific looking. And as as 15, 16, 17-year-olds, we're here, and we're like, oh my gosh, we're here here to do ministry. We just exchanged our currency. We know what to do. So we get our money and we are walking towards this guy who's scooting along the sidewalk. And we're like, okay, we give him money. We, We were just, our hearts went towards this person and we give him some money and we feel really good about it. Really good. And we get back on the bus and I sit down in my seat and I look out the window, and this dude stands up, pulls a boot out of his jacket, puts it on, and starts walking away, counting his money. And I just, did, I'm already, I'm already like, I, justice, vindication, that's, that's already at my personality. And so like, unfiltered 16-year-old Sydney, I'm looking, and I'm like, ah, how dare he? I just, the, how could you do that? We, our hearts were so pure. They were, so just the, the, The justice, there was none. And we just watched this guy walk away. And our teacher, who was very wise, had lived in Peru for several years, just sat and watched us do this, right? Keeping a watchful eye. And it was a wonderful teaching moment because what it taught me was that my desire to help this person was about how it made me feel in that moment, not about what he really needed. Because what he did was he walked to the closest bar and used the money we gave him to drink away whatever he was feeling. He did not even need physical healing, although he did. He needed Healing in his soul. And it, what he was doing was he was trying to heal himself through alcohol and it's a cheap version of Jehovah Rofi. There is only one healer. It is not necessarily what makes you feel good. Satan the accuser goes into the presence of God to accuse the saints. He wants to sift you. But what does Revelation 12, 11 say? That we overcome him, the accuser, by one, the blood of the lamb, the atonement that we could not provide for ourselves and the word of our testimony, which is the testimony of the gospel of Jesus. And what did Jesus do? He healed people all the time. Our testimony is something that cannot be taken away from us. It is a weapon in the hands of a believer because it shuts the mouth of the devil, the accuser and encourages the saints, just like Jesus told Simon. And the story about Simon Peter is awesome because he said, when you've gone back and repented, Go and encourage your brothers. Now, this is the same Simon who later turned into Peter, who uh, there were a bunch of sick people and they laid them on the street. If only Peter's shadow would pass over them, they would be healed. And it says many were healed on that day because of the power of the Holy Spirit within Peter, which is within us right? We are capable of walking in the same healing power. And part of that is through our testimony. So in that light, what I want to do is give a very quick testimony of healing personally that we received recently. Many of you know Uh, My son, Liam, who is four, he is the cutest. He wears glasses, and it's just the cutest kid I've ever seen. And um, uh, about a year ago, he had surgery on his eye to, to straighten it out. What we've been doing since he was about two is we have been patching his eye to increase his vision, or try to, in the eye that he needed surgery on. He could see, uh, when we first got him glasses, he could see 20 in this eye, but he could see 200 in this eye. So we were were trying to get that down. Um, In that, you know, they said, here's our goal, we're gonna try to get it down to 2050, because then he could get his license, he could legally drive a car, so we're like, well, (laughs) that's what we'll do. So, all the while... We are going to the doctor. We're patching his eye. We're doing what they tell us to do because I don't know anything about any of that. And we're praying for him. We're laying hands on him. We are teaching our kids. It was actually been a really cool teaching moment for them that they pray for their brother. And um, so we've been praying for him, believing that God would heal him. There have been many appointments that were discouraging. There have been some that were encouraging, but he had an appointment two weeks ago, and the last appointment we were at, he was at 2100, and he had never gotten below 100. And in three months, from April to July, three months, we go to this appointment and he could see 2040 which is surpasses his doctor's goal in three months. And we've been working on this for two years and praying and believing that one day he would be able to legally drive a car, that he would be able to see correctly so it doesn't hinder him in what he's trying to do. And uh, to say that that was just overwhelming it was because it's something we've been believing for. And I'm telling you this because I hear God saying to you who are believing for healing, continue in your faith. Do not allow the accuser to sift you. You have Jesus who is sitting at the right hand of the Father, interceding for you, that your faith would not fail? Man, I always, I'm like, I need a tissue every time I'm up here, and it's ridiculous. I just, and I, I will never remember to get one. As we end tonight, I have two challenges I want to leave with you. For those who are remaining steadfast in believing for healing for yourself, body, mind, or spirit, or for someone else, you have a great Savior who intercedes for you. And my challenge is to continue pressing in to Jehovah-Rofi because we allow Jehovah-Rofi to influence and interpret our experiences, not the other way around. Continue in your faith in Jehovah-Rofi. And the second challenge I have for you is if you have a testimony of healing, you need to share it with somebody. You need to. There are people who believe, who are believers, who think that God does not heal. And they need to know that he does. And if our testimony is a weapon that puts down the accuser, Satan, then we need to share it. If you have a testimony of healing You do not need a platform. You don't need a major social media following. You don't need to to make and edit a video. There's nothing about that needs to happen. You just need to share it. God wants to use us to show people who he is, that he is Jehovah Rofi, the God who heals. Amen. Amen. All right, y'all, stand with me. God, we are—we're just—we're grateful for your goodness, and we understand that your healing does not just come in a church service, and it just not—it does not just come in worship. Your healing comes when we're at work, when we're driving in the car, when we're doing the dishes, when we're talking on the phone, when, we're, when we are uh, 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 it's in a meeting, when w- your healing can come at any point. So stir up our faith, Holy Spirit, that we may be bold enough to believe in Jehovah Rophi despite our situation. Give us boldness, Holy Spirit, to share the truth of our testimony to those who need to hear it. God, we thank you just as you were good to the Israelites in going above and beyond to make their water sweet. I thank you that you have done the same thing for us by sending your son Jesus to die on the cross so that we may be healed. And I declare that over this church body, that we will be people who believe you for big things, no matter how we feel about it in the moment. So thank you for your healing anointing to fall over each one of us tonight. We are grateful for you, Jehovah Rofi. You heal because you call yourself healer. It does not discriminate. You just are. Help us. Help us to walk that out. We love you, God, and we're grateful for you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Have a wonderful week. Thank you for listening to this message from Christian Ministries Church. If this message impacted you and you'd like to sow into our ministry, you can give at cmchurch.com. If you'd like to listen to more of our messages, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Just search for Christian Ministries. God bless.